0: Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go. Here we go. A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined as usual by my co-hosts. Uh, Jordan, Texan Slots, and John Wade, the Garnet Texan fellows. Uh, how are we feeling this, I guess, this Tuesday night? Everybody feeling okay? It's been five days?
1: Yeah, I think I think we're all going not to overreact right now, and just all wait for the film to drop. See all the Twitter talking a bit, but uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good.
0: Jonathan?
2: You know, we all 22. I'm just going to complain about that. Who cares about the game? Let's just spend the next hour. You know what's so learn funny? About the Is
0: I have never seen anybody complain about the All-22 in any year in the past. And now all of a sudden, that's like the only thing I see. I'm surprised it wasn't trending on Twitter.
2: It may have been at one point. Hey. I'm not even kidding. Like it, Everybody that I follow made a comment about the All-22. And I mean, I get it. I, I completely agree. But it's kind of absolutely ridiculous. And there's a lot of people out there they want they have questions, they want answers, and you know the magic's in the all 22. You see something on the broadcast view? It, you're just kind of guessing like you're trying to fill in the context. you need the all 22. so I get it. I do get it. But man, I cannot believe the way it was trending.
0: Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was weird. Uh, all right, so obviously, uh, why do I look red? Is there
2: a reason why I look
0: red? Like
2: it's so weird. much sun? Huh? Much fun.
0: No, I'm not even that, I'm not red. Like it's my camera or something. I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, all right. So not the outcome that we were expecting, not the outcome that we wanted. Um, definitely some positives to take away from the game. <clears throat> you can't see everything with the broadcast, but I, if I had to guess, I would assume, uh, I know for myself, I've watched it three times. I would assume Jordan, probably the same, uh, John, you probably right there. Um, I don't know. I mean, where do you guys want to start? You guys want to start with the negative? You guys want to start with the positive? We're so glad I
2: put together an outline for us to just skip around.
0: Well, did you put together an outline?
2: I did. You're shared on it. It says that you're looking at it.
0: Okay. I'm going to uh, pull it up. Uh, Let's go into the outline. Uh, You can follow us at Houston FB pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to our beautiful website at TexansUnfiltered.com. Don't forget to follow, uh, Texans underscore thoughts and at the Patrick Storm. And then obviously make sure you are following Jair at JRL Sports TX. Um, make sure you guys go to Patreon. If you guys didn't, weren't on Patreon this week, you guys missed, uh, the uh, instant reaction. We recorded it that morning. Um, and you know, it's really cool for you guys to be able to get like our emotional reactions. Uh, usually on a Sunday it'll be a lot better, but Thursday night ended at 11. Uh, obviously Jordan's in a different time zone. We were all driving in from Houston, and Austin. Cody and John drove back that night. So um, wasn't able to be instant, instant, but uh, it was nice to be able to kind of have that. I feel like it's like really a good balance to do that and then have our podcast. It's like we get it all out. Then the film can back kind of our thoughts. So um, thank you guys for that. Thank you to everybody who showed up for the event. Um, the fact that we had to switch venues within like three hours and had the sh- turnout that we had, really speaks to you guys and uh, your commitment, uh, so we really appreciate it. I'm super excited um, uh, just to be able to meet you guys and have a conversation. Uh, Swan, I'm still mad at you, uh, and you're going to have to deal with that anger for ditching us last minute. Um, all right, let, let me go through these notes that I uh, – shirts are here. Yep, shout-out to d House cleaning, lots of motion on the practice squad. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so I guess let's get to lots of motion in the um, – Lots of motion on the practice squad, John. Talking about Farrell we Brown. Do
2: we really care? I mean, it seemed like everybody was talking about it today, but do we honestly care?
0: No, nobody really cares. No. Nobody really cares. No, the people aren't here for the practice squad.
2: It's just it's housekeeping. We're going to let you know that if you really care, go look at it. Yeah, if you really uh, we care, really care Kahale Waring was put on IR uh,
0: after stubbing his toe, okay? and we decided to cut Jordan Thomas uh, and, and keep Kahale – Uh, After all of that he accomplished in training camp, oh wait, no, he didn't accomplish anything in training camp because he only practiced three times. We cut Jordan Thomas. He was taken by the fucking Arizona Cardinals, right? These are mini mishaps on a roster that fuck your roster, and it pisses me off. It is mishandling of personnel, and there is nothing more frustrating than somebody that can't have an idea of what their personnel and their roster should look like. It is a fucking problem, and it's going to be a problem throughout the rest of the season. This is the dumbest thing that has happened so far, and people are looking at it like it's small. It's not about Kahale or Jordan. It's about the mismanagement of the roster. That's all it's about. And we're going to see yeah,
2: more, and, I was more about, and more. I was about to cut in and say the same thing. Like, we're, It's the strangest hill to die on. It's not like Jordan Thomas ever showed us anything. However, the argument behind it, I totally get the roster mism- mismanagement. At Jordan this Thomas was
0: too uh, productive in the NFL, though. His, for his rookie year, he was productive. What do you
1: he had do you like four man, touchdowns.
0: Jordan Thomas was the guy that we thought, we did. I loved Aikens, but there was no conversations of Akins The entire offseason was about what can Jordan Thomas do after a full off. Well,
2: that's because he, again, he's a huge guy. He looks like he should be productive. He could catch. Like, physically, he looked like he could be a really good tight end. He really didn't do anything. He just looked good. Like it was the same thing with Akins. They both had flashes their rookie year, but neither one of them looked amazing. And then all of last year Thomas was on the IR, just like Warren. I mean, it's it's I'm not gonna sit here and argue whether Thomas or Warren's a better player. I don't really care at this point. Your argument's right, but the player that we're all gonna die die on is Jordan Thomas. Like this is the one that we're gonna crucify Bill O'Brien. Is it Jordan Thomas? Yeah, let me tell you why, John.
0: Let me tell you why. Because the only reason he kept Kahale is because he was a third-round pick. That is a fucking problem. That speaks to the competition in camp. That speaks to the lack of initiatives and drive for the individual players. We've heard so much since since the game ended of players not practicing – J.J. Watt didn't put on a pad at all this training camp. The last time he put on a pad was in the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs. That is a fucking problem. But the fact that you draw, you valued a guy just because you took him in the third round and didn't go based on production or what has been done on the field, and all we heard was Jordan Thomas was killing it at training camp. And I don't just mean by Bill O'Brien. I mean by every local reporter that was on, on at training camp. Every single uh, John Harris post was about Jordan Thomas being a killer at camp. And out of nowhere, we make the decision to keep Kahale, and it is only because he's a third round pick. That is where GMs and head coaches get themselves in in, in trouble. Because yeah, you, no, no, no. Backs, you are not. That
2: capital backs. overproduction is unforgivable.
0: Yes, I it agree. Is.
2: But no, I absolutely agree. I'm not arguing with anything that you're making. That's the problem.
0: That's the problem. That's the problem. Ultimately, that's the problem. There is no competition in camp. None. We saw it on fucking Thursday. These guys came out as if it was fucking preseason week one. There was no, there was no fucking sense of urgency. They had, they seemed fucking lost out there on offense. The entire team. Deshaun seemed lost. Yeah. Cook seemed lost. Cobb seemed lost. The only person that came to play was David Johnson and Jordan Akins and Will Fuller, but that's expected. I'm just saying, that's a problem, and it's going to come back and bite us in the ass. Watch. I'm telling you right now, this season is going to go fucking crazy, bro. I'm telling you, this is going to be a weird fucking season. Yeah,
2: it's oh, definitely going to be a weird season.
0: Anyways, go ahead, Jordan. Sorry, I'll
2: mute.
1: I was just going to really quickly say just to, this whole, like, roster um, mishaps and, like, work, and like basically failing, like, little failures, like, around the margins. Like, another name to add there is Angelo Blackson. We let, we let him go. Um... Kept like Carlos Watkins, PJ Hall. Who I like PJ Hall, but the really big thing is like Carlos Watkins. Uh, he didn't do anything Sunday, and Angel Blackson had a sack for the Cardinals. And so I don't know. Just just another name to throw out there. But
0: Yep. go ahead, John. Uh, I, I no, up.
2: I'm saying that I I don't disagree with either thing that y'all are saying. What I'm more concerned about, even. I guess I, I, I've segued this wrong. I don't care about the tight ends because he's got like 15 million and Jordan Akins looks like a player. I am more concerned about running backs. Um, we'll kind of get into it about how our offense kind of fell apart once Duke Johnson got hurt, even though he, Duke Johnson didn't really do anything, but just the looks that they were able to bring in. And right now we've got Buddy Howell, and that's it. There's not another running back. It's David Johnson. Duke Johnson's out. And Buddy Howell. There's not another running back on the roster.
0: Um, look, all, I, I like the Duke excuse. I understand it. But if your game plan going into a game is relied upon one player being in the backfield with another running back, I really it, Duke being hurt has no impact on how this team lost.
2: This team yeah, lost. Scotty Pierce has already reverted back to the practice squad. I just want to clear that up. Scottie no- Phillips and course. CJ ProSize are still on the practice squad. There's not another one on the active roster. Now, they can use why- that one game where they can temporarily bump them up, so maybe that's what they do with ProSize next week. But it's just so – it's weird. Weird roster management.
1: That's why I don't like the Buddy Howell thing being RB3. Right. His His real purpose on the team cannot be as a special teamer. Like, RB3s get usage throughout every single team every single year. Yeah. If he can't go and run – a simple run, like, run play, or if he can't be in the backfield and motion out wide and just be a distraction even, like, what the hell is he doing on the football team? I don't care. Like, did he make a special team tackle last week? I don't think so. I don't know.
2: It's yeah, I mean, of Scottie Field played special teams. That was it. Buddy Howell played special teams. That was it. So once Duke went out, we gave everything to, du- or to David. This is going to get confusing all season. We gave everything to David, and right now David Johnson looks like the most focal point of our offense. If we... Can't adjust our offense to one player going down who is a role player. I mean, I love Duke Johnson. Love, love Duke Johnson. Don't get me wrong, but he is a role player. There should be somebody else that could be dropped into that spot. They shouldn't have to change up what they were doing, and we shouldn't have to put the entire load on one other player. Like, there was just no backup. Like, to me, that's a that's more unforgivable than this tight, tight end mishap, which, you know, I get it. You're not wrong, but... This is game day rosters. Game days with a position that people are going to get hurt. Running backs have to take a break.
0: This, uh, okay, so it's, I guess we're, we're, we're going to hop into the recap since we haven't. <laughs> uh.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might as well. Dude, you uh, still sound a little distant. Is that just me?
0: It, I don't know. Do I, I mean, do I sound distant?
2: It sounds normal to me. Does he? Okay. okay, maybe it's just me.
0: Um I mean I do have the mic a little lower than normal, but uh, I'll raise it. Um okay, so recap. Uh Texans come out. Listen, here's, here's what we'll do. We'll go through I can't we can't go through each years because I don't remember them perfectly, but I do remember some of the great or not great but good things that we saw. I'll tell you this. I don't know what happened in the second half from a play calling perspective on offense. I don't know if Bill O'Brien during halftime slapped Tim Kelly and took the playbook back because the play calling from the first half to the second half was completely different there was no creativeness there there it was it was totally different it looked like on the, at least in the first half while we did we only got one touchdown we looked as if we were working on things in the second half it looked like we're going to run the ball i mean we're just, we're going to run the ball we have to we got david johnson we're going to run the ball that was my biggest takeaway but the first two, three drives, I was like, okay, this is a good concept. Oh, this is nice. Okay, this looks good. Oh, that's a lot of motion. Okay. Like, oh wow, that's like okay, those are things we have not seen before. And then the second half came and the normal play calling resumed from last season. That was my initial impression, I'll be honest. But again, let's let's preface this because the all twenty two is not out yet. It will be out oh, when we wake up this morning, but still, we're only going based off the broadcast.
2: Initial impressions, I mean, part of me wants to be sarcastic. Like, the season's over, right? I mean, we just came out there. We made the same mistakes we make year in, year out. Roster mismanagement, not a lot of pace. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to get to Merciless. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it was the first game of the season. We definitely at some point decided it was a preseason game. And after rewatching the game, like, the game wasn't as bad as it even felt it just kind of swung say at the end of the end of the first half if we go down there we make the field goal or you know we go down there and Duke Johnson catches that little dump off from Deshaun and gets a first down like if those things happen that quick touchdown that the uh, Chiefs get at the end of the quarter doesn't happen then when they go in in the very first drive of the second half and they score isn't as bad but that 14 points I mean that's how the Patriots always killed you the the Chiefs did the same thing the Patriots did. That's what makes the game feel like it's a blowout. Second thing, honestly, 5.8 yards per play is not bad. That was top eight in the entire NFL. So our offense did not really look as bad as it felt. It was just the situation that we got into. Pretty much because key playmaking. Um, and then this is what's crazy. According to PFF, Deshaun Watson actually outplayed Mahomes, what do you feel about him?
1: I think that's pretty crazy, and and number it's it speaks more about Pat Mahomes than it does about Watson, because like with Watson, like he didn't have a, a, a horrible game, but he didn't have an amazing game either. And for them to say that Pat had a horrible game when he was basically flawless, that's why PFF is just something else. But um.
2: Well, no, they there would be more to blame on um, if Deshaun had gotten a couple of catches. There was a couple of drops.
1: Drops, O-line play, yeah.
2: Yeah, there was a couple of things that kind of happened that, I mean, kind of just looked like a preseason game. Like, you could tell these guys hadn't played at game speed. They hadn't played with full contact. Like, all of James's original yelling from two minutes ago is all right because they came in there unprepared. Like, they hadn't been hit in the mouth. And... Granted, it's gonna be a weird season. Um, the entire league looked bad. Yeah. There was only like three teams that looked really, really good. Like the entire league looks bad. I think the same hole everybody's in.
1: Yeah, I think what the this restart without preseason showed us is kind of the the early elite teams versus everyone else. The Chiefs, like I thought, I I'll be honest, I thought that they were gonna have a Super Bowl hangover. They didn't one bit. They came out firing on all cylinders. The Ravens, same with them. I didn't watch all the games, but like. The elite of the elite, they showed up today, and, and or that game, and, and they showed the, the gap between them and everyone else.
2: Right. Those elite of the elite teams also have the most continuity. There's no changes. Uh, the Chiefs really didn't have any changeover on their staff, which is absolutely insane and unfair from a Super Bowl champion. And none of their coaches got poached.
1: That is like, yeah.
2: You know, their offense was the exact same. Like, they had nothing to work on. They, they came in ready to go. They didn't have to change. The Ravens look terrifying, and we'll talk about them around the NFL. But same thing with them; they came in, and they have continuity, not a lot of changes, and a quarterback that's making that year three jump. So watch out.
0: So here's the thing. Um, oh, now I hear echo. Do you guys hear echo? No. Okay. All right. Um,
1: now I can't Ooh. hear John.
0: You the can't biggest hear
1: me? thing. Oh, now you're back.
0: Um. That I took from it was the fact that on offense, you know, we didn't take advantage of Cobb in the middle. Cobb looked open on the broadcast, and so that's just the broadcast. So, there there so
2: it, they could have been behind
0: They could somebody could have been behind them. Like you know, you really can't see that stuff on the broadcast. Like I was trying to look and see, like were they playing a the ton of cover three? Like I couldn't, I couldn't see. Were they taking away the deep? All, all I, like I really, I didn't see if they were. It looked like they were playing single high sometimes. Um, so you know, I, I just there was no pressure on the secondary deep. Even if there isn't anything there, you still need to throw it. You need to let them know you're going to take a shot downfield uh, because they need that's just going to open things up. Let them know that you're going to attack, and they didn't do that. Um. Also, okay, according to him, uh, this guy, they were in cover three all night.
1: They were in a lot of single high. I saw them rotating from single to two high a good amount. And and to talk about the shots, the shot plays, the deep plays, because that's like a big talking point, at least on Twitter. Um, they had they took four shots in the in the first half. Second half, I believe they only took two, maybe three. But in the first half, so you had that. I guess this this first one isn't necessarily a shot, but it's a deep pass. The first one that dropped to Fuller. Yeah, you had. Another one to Cooks, where Deshaun led it a little bit inside. Should have been outside. And you had two more overthrows to Fuller on opposite sides of the field. They were just overthrows. One of them, Tyron Matthew, looked pretty close, but I can't tell how close he actually was with the All-22. But they took four shots in the first half, and none of them were completed. And so I don't know if that's Bill O'Brien saying, like, okay, we tried our shots, they're trying to take it away. We couldn't. We don't have the rhythm tonight. Let's dial it back in the second half, try and get these easy completions, try and get the run game going. I don't know if that's what he thought or if the Chiefs played that a little bit better, but they, they took their shots in the first half.
0: Okay. Um, I guess when I say that, like, there were, like, that the Cooks throw, right? It looked like it was in the double coverage. There was a safety over top, corner staying with Cooks, right? That was the one that he threw inside, but, like, Cooks couldn't adjust to make the catch. He didn't really drop it over. Right, um, but I think when people say like deep shots, I think they're talking about like, you know, just a fly route downfield, you know, fifty-five, sixty yards. It seems like they didn't try to attack too deep. It seemed like they weren't necessarily intermediate, but they also weren't like forty yards downfield. Does that make sense?
1: When they tried one of those, is the one where Darren Fells that everyone's talking about. Darren Fells couldn't block the honey badger oh. play action. They went to their typical look, max protect and then Watson was about to throw it, and you saw Cooks was coming back for the balls. I, I don't know.
0: Jill, I mean, it, it has to happen. They, they do need time. I'm not going to sit here and say that the team doesn't need time. Like, you're right. Like, what the biggest thing I took away from Sunday was the teams that basically returned all their starters from the previous season on offense seemed to be fine. Ravens, Chiefs, um, Niners didn't look good. Um there were there a couple no other receivers.
2: teams. The Niners didn't have any more receivers.
0: Green Bay looked good. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the teams that, that were contenders last year look like they're going to be contenders again. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I think it's going to take some time. And I'm not going to, like, I'm not saying, oh, the season's over. I'm not there, like, in any way. I'm just more frustrated with – so the Colley thing is, is a big thing for me because it just speaks to a lot of the roster mismanagement that we've seen since Bill O'Brien has taken over. Like there's been great things as far as like Gary and Conley and things like that, but there's been a lot of little small mismanagement things that have happened that have always questioned like made me question what's happening. Um and we're only in week two and we just saw something that was, you know, could be somewhat impactful. Jordan Akins goes down. Well now you're left with Fells and this new dude, Pharaoh. Like, instead of a guy that knows the offense and has, you know, a relationship with Deshaun, so It'll be something to watch. I do think Cooks and I, I do think Cooks and Cobb. I think they'll get it together. Like they're pros, they're good at what they do. Like there's no reason to think that those two wide receivers can't be uh, effective in this scheme. They're pros, but it definitely wasn't a good showing. Now I will. I'm gonna ask you guys this, and I want to hear. I want to hear you guys answer at the same time. So I'm gonna count to three, and I, I want to hear either a yes or a no. Is it possible that Bill O'Brien is mailing it in? Just to mail it in through these first you know week maybe two weeks and then letting it loose against the Steelers and, and Vikings and and you know just he he just doesn't care right now he's using it as a warm up one two three no no okay okay He told me that I was like that makes zero sense on why you would do that but okay buddy.
1: I could see, like, the conspiracy, like, saying, like, oh, you don't want these, like, playoff teams who you know you're going to play a second time likely later in the
0: playoffs. That's, that was the whole argument.
2: It's like I get the reasoning behind it, but wins and in the, the NFL are just so hard to come by. Like, you don't purposely throw a game. Now, if they get into the third quarter, fourth quarter, and they're behind, I can see them shutting the playbook and just kind of letting it play out. But at the same time, I don't even think Deshaun would let them
1: that's what I was going to say, the players. The players would never let that happen. I don't These guys that. are hungry.
0: Yeah, I agree. Alright, so let's get to the defense. Cause, well, I guess we'll get to the positives of the offense. David Johnson looks like a running back. David Johnson definitely looks like a really, really, really spry. I think spry is a very good word to use for David Johnson. He looks refreshed. He looks rejuvenated. He looks... Some of those cuts I was like, wow, okay. Those were really nice cuts. Um, Specifically the touchdown run, uh, that was a really nice cut. Um, Jordan, what are your thoughts on, on David Johnson? I know you weren't a fan originally, so and I know it's only one game, but based on the one game that we did get to see, you know, how were you feeling? Because you were you were very critical of his cuts and, and and things of that nature. Anything that you saw that made you feel a little bit better?
1: Yeah, so the, the biggest thing, like, I wasn't optimistic about David Johnson at first. And because so much of his success um, with the Cardinals back in 2016 came off of his athletic cutting ability. He was amazing with it. He was amazing. He was Aaron Foster-esque. And that's what really was able to allow him to get more yardage than his O-line block for him, right? And so I thought aging running back, coming off a couple injuries, is he really going to look exactly the same or even better? I was So that's why I wasn't optimistic. But we saw today that he's back. He looks really crisp. They're smooth. Like He's making up for some pressure let in by the O-line. Like So I was very, very happy to see that for sure. And, and I hope we can keep that up for an entire season. I think the, the key to keeping him kind of fresh and healthy is Duke Johnson or whatever second or third running back that we have to really split the carries. Like we saw that he could be really effective, but that doesn't mean that Bill O'Brien should be running him 25-plus times a day a game. Right, so, but I, I, do, I did grow. David Johnson definitely did grow on me um, from that game. It's a great showing from him.
2: John, fourteen touches over a hundred and over a hundred yards. I mean, what else can you ask for? Like he wasn't even used that much. I know we talked about how the play calling felt a little bit conservative in the second half. It was more like they just didn't have any pace in the second half. Like they needed to get more plays into the game. Um, I actually think that it's almost criminal that David Johnson only got 14 touches with the way that he played. But you know, maybe trying to save him because if he if he'd gotten hurt, who knows what what we're gonna do at that point. Um, but no, he showed his ability to both be a receiver and a running back. He's got that lateral step again that he's been missing, putting people on skates again. Like he, I, I'm I'm so happy for David Johnson. I think he, as long as he stays healthy, he's gonna be a great player for us.
0: I think he's going to be very good for this team. I think he I think he looks as if he'll – I think he's an upgrade over Carlos Hyde. Um, and if we can just get what we saw from him on Thursday night, I think this team could be uh, – I think the offense through David Johnson, I think we'll have a very strong run game. I think adding the pairing of Duke Johnson when he gets back from injury will be ideal. Um, but, yeah, so Jordan, you know, you put out some information about the the two running back sets you know, in the backfield, Johnson's in the backfield. Um, talk a little bit about what that does, because I don't think people realize how much, like, how pressure that puts onto uh, an opposing defense.
1: Yeah, so early on in the in the first half when Duke was, in, was um, healthy, we went to it a fair amount, and there's two plays that really stood out to me. One of them, they're both in the backfield, and then we had Cooks and we had Fuller both on the outside. And so with their speed... The defense has got it. They're backing off, right? Both their corners ran off. Their their safety was deep, and so that also that already gets the lighter box. Then you've got two running backs in the backfield that you have to account for. And the strong side of the formation, the side of the formation that you would think that the Texans would run to, is the one where like David Johnson. I don't know how to explain it perfectly, but David Johnson like it looked like if we were going to run it, we were going to give it to David Johnson going to the strong side. And we actually gave, went to the weak side and had David Johnson as lead blocker. He blocked Tyron Matthew. who was not easy to block. Astarin Darren Fells. Not easy and um, he got him out the way and it was a great play I think Duke got like seven or eight yards on that and that can be a staple of our offense maybe not a staple but it can we can see that multiple times a game Um, that was great to see and then also there's one passing play where it was David Johnson all way on the outside Duke Johnson kind of in the slot and then Darren Fells like the inline tight end and Um, On the right side, the running backs are running a smash concept. So Duke went deep. David went in the flat, and then that drew like the linebacker backwards and away from Darren Fells, and so that opened up the middle of the field. And it just that with dealing with that personnel is very hard as a defense because number one, you have to kind of be wary of the run game, and then and so that puts maybe another linebacker, another defender in the box. But then you also got to be wary about the passing game if they're both out in the. Out, out wide, or if they're in the backfield, they can still attack you from there, and so that puts you in like dime, nickel. So it's just very hard to kind of figure out what personnel you're going to be in, and that's the pressure that that two running back sets can can create.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's going to be interesting. Now, can C J. Precise step into that role? I think he can. I just don't think he's going to be as effective. I don't think I don't think that his him as a threat isn't going to be near the level of what Duke Johnson is but you're still able to run those formations, which is the key. Um, can I ask you guys a question about the offense? Why is Darren Fells still on the field? Why isn't Jordan Aikens only on the field? Well, it, it makes zero sense to me, I, I honestly. Like when you when that play you talk about, I feel like there would have been more yards with Aikens on that. Anyone
1: play. could have done that play. Anyone. Right.
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: An injured Kahale Warren could have made that play. Darren Fells is a player who – and this goes back to like the little roster mishaps around the margins. Extending Darren Fells was such a stupid idea. I said it then, I'll say it again now. Like, he's, he does nothing for your team. He's, his reputation is as a, as a great blocker. He's not a great blocker. We saw that last year. We saw that again this game. And then if he's not going to block, he's got to do something in the receiving game. Sure, he can go and be big and be the six seven guy that he is, and Deshaun Watson has to throw a perfect pinpoint pass where no other defense, no other defender can get it in the red zone, and that's how he got all his production last year. But if he's not schemed open, he's not getting open. And you just can't have someone like that in an offense right now at the tight end position, which is so crucial to create to attacking mismatches. And I just I don't get it. If like go ahead, John.
2: Yeah. Um I was gonna have that when we got to the bad. I just would rather focus on, on the good right now, and Akins did take 48 out of 59 snaps. Like, he was on the field the vast majority. Um, with Akins, he's a legitimate receiving threat. I mean, two of two. Like, my, I'm more upset that he only got two targets because, I mean, he turned 39 yards and a touchdown on, with two targets. He caught both of them. Good things happened. Akins, great, great player. Um, the potential to be a very – I'm sorry, he's a good, good player right now, but he has the potential to be a great player, a great weapon. And this is why I'm so interesting to see the All-22, because, again, on the broadcast, and you can't really tell on the broadcast, I will give him that, but both Cobb and Aikens, there was times where it looks like they had plenty of room to run around. And I'm just kind of, I want to see. I just want to see. I want to see what, what we missed, because, again, it, he was the hot receiver. He's the one that should have been force-fed the ball.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't. At this point, I don't understand how Akins isn't. I mean, he technically started, so for everybody, it's like, oh, he played the first snap. Okay, great. And he had more snaps than anybody uh, out of all the tight ends. I think he doubled Fells' snaps, but he should have. He should. He should be like Kelsey. He should be on the field at all times. I don't. I don't think he should be off the field. At this point, I don't know if Darren Fells is a better blocker than Jordan Akins. To be honest with you,
2: well, I He always had this reputation of being a great blocker, but he never really was. He looks like a good blocker, he puts effort in, but if you look at um, some of the I guess more advanced stats, and I know we were just we were just trashing PFF, but he's never really had a good blocking grade. What he is, and I've said it during the the tight end preview, is in the red zone. he can dunk on somebody. That's all he should be there for. like he's good at posting up, going up, and getting that contested catch. He is probably one of the best tight ends in football at that. He had the highest um, passer rating two in those situations. So he is a receiving tight end. He's just a receiving tight end that looks like he can block, and that's getting overplayed when he really brings nothing more value than Akins does, especially from 20 to 20. Maybe within the 20s, but from 20 to 20, nope, he really doesn't.
0: Yeah, I just it just doesn't make any sense. All right, uh, Will Fuller, he looked like a number one wide receiver to me. Uh, obviously had a, a big drop at the beginning of the game. Um, we're not going to compare Hop and and, and, um, and Will Fuller and all that. But we get it. Hop had a great day. Hop's going to have great days. Hop is a great receiver. Um, if you read River's article today, you'll see even he's done with it. Um it is what it is. There's really nothing we can do at this point. Um, Nobody a, reads
2: mine. Nobody uh, reads mine.
0: <laughs> um, but except we can we can focus on the players that are on the team now. Um, well, Fuller looked really good. I mean, he looked really good. He looked really crisp, ran great routes. Uh, obviously, a drop was awful. Um, but he, you could definitely see the chemistry was there between him and Deshaun. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah it,
2: it, oh,
1: Jordan, It go. seemed like he was – the thing, he had 10 targets, maybe 11 targets. The next guy, I think, was Cooks, who had five. And that really just shows, like, he's the guy who has the most practice time with Deshaun throughout his entire career, right? He's had years to work with Deshaun. And this is where the wide receivers not being able to meet up with Deshaun as much as they usually do over the off season. this is where that comes in. This is where holding Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, those veteran guys who you want to keep them healthy, holding them out of training camp, the 11-on-11s, that's where this comes in. People are saying, oh, they're veteran wide receivers. They know how to run routes. They've been doing this. They know know how to do... Bill O'Brien's offense is different. They need an insanely different level of timing and chemistry, on-field chemistry with Deshaun Watson that you can't get... Throwing in a field with no defenders that you can't get in training camp eleven on 11s even that only really comes with in game um, snaps and so it's gonna take time like we saw with like last year with Kenny Stills like it took time with him it's gonna take time with these guys but we just can't panic we can't be wanting to jump off the bridge just yet because the time will come and whenever when all the weapons click that's it's gonna be something to watch I, I really do believe that
2: so yeah, yeah this offense is more of a by any other offensive coordinator that runs this exact same offense, it's more of a death by a thousand cuts. Whereas both Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson have more of an attacking personality, and they want to attack the ball and push the ball downfield. So you take an offense that the receiver and and the quarterback have to be on the same page, and you're throwing low percentage pa- low percentage passes on top of that. Like yeah, there's going to be frustrations with that. I think that's part of the reason why that. Deshaun seems to only throw to receivers he trusts. Um, Will Fuller had a 30.3% target share. Um, he had 10 targets. Nobody else had more than five. And everybody else, one player had five targets, Nobody and that was Brandon Cooks. Nobody else had more than two. Brandon Cooks had five targets. Will Fuller caught eight out of those 10, so not bad. That's not bad. 112 yards. You know, we can take that. That's wide receiver one numbers. That's like elite wide receiver one numbers. There's nothing to complain about with what Will Fuller did. This goes back to my original complaint. I just, we moved the ball better than it seemed. We just didn't ever have the ball.
1: Yeah, the Chiefs run game was their best defense. (sighs) Yes. We did not have very many possessions. And every time we would get the ball back, it felt like, half of the quarter had just disappeared because they could just run it down our throats, get get into all these third and shorts. And it just, it killed, I think every drive they had, except for maybe one or two took off like five minutes off the clock, which is insane. That's insane. The time of possession, I don't have the exact numbers, but they must've killed us there.
0: Yeah. Time of possession was bad. Um, I don't know. Like just this offense, it, it was very frustrating to watch. Like when I just, I honestly don't even really want to watch the All-22 on the offense. What I really want to watch the, the All-22 of is the defense. And I think that's a perfect segue into kind of some of the good things that did come out of the defense because it doesn't look like there's much. Uh, but you got to keep in mind that we were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, a high-scoring offense. Uh, I believe they only had 17 points going into the first half, correct?
2: Yeah, going into – I mean, they only – was, was, was it 14 or 17? They had 14 going into the halftime. Okay, if you told again, me, again, it was that what even the bad on defense, like it's bad with quotation marks. Uh, we played the Chiefs, we couldn't stop the run, but yeah, that was really that's the really the biggest issue. Like we stopped the run, and that was clean. We just clean up our tackles.
0: Yeah, but what I was saying was, if you told me uh, before we got into before we went into the game that you held the Kansas City Chiefs to 14 points going into the, third, the second half, I, I honestly would tell you that there's a good chance we're in that game. Uh, but Before we get into that, so let's talk about the defense a little bit, because I think that that's – and it, really there's there's a lot to take away, and the All-22 is really going to be – that's going to be the where we see a lot from the defense, because uh, there was a lot of different things that Anthony Weaver was doing. Lots of he mixed up personnel and schemes. He wasn't complacent in any way. The biggest thing I took away was the fact that he was able to just take change personnel when he wanted to. There was no thought about it. He threw everything he could at it, um, and it just wasn't enough. But you know, I, I like your creativity that I saw from the defense, Jordan. What are your What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, we heard all season, creativity, exotic defense, putting players in positions to succeed. And and that's what we got for the most part. The thing with defensive coordinators is there's only so much they can do. They're not on the field out there in the trenches. They're not missing tackles. They're not covering wide receivers, right? So they put the players in positions. That's that's what they can do. And I'm with you 100%. I really like what I saw from him. I think it's it's really like a willingness to adapt, a willingness to, to change within a game. Not even within a season, but within a game. And Rack, in my opinion, was was pretty horrible at that. But um, just to give a few examples, we started off in press man. That wasn't working. They were running pick routes to get open. They beat us deep on that j Reed ball into the end zone. Um, so he went away from press man. He went to off man. He switched up with with um,
2: man and zone looks a lot. Through- And
0: then as for um, personnel, like they started Verna Hargraves out there on the outside corner. They even
1: had Jay Reed outside there. Um, that wasn't doing it. And then second half, Lonnie came comes in finally. Um, also, big rotations of the interior defensive line when the run game wasn't... When we weren't able to solve the run game, they tried out Blacklock a little bit. Would love to see him get more. They tried out P.J. Hall. They tried out Watkins. And P.J. Hall was kind of a star and kind of, in my opinion, a, a savior, um, kind of giving us another body to look at and get serious snaps. But, yeah, I I really like what I saw from Weaver. Oh, the last thing about Weaver I want to talk about is his blitzes. And we didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of them. They were – they only – the Chiefs only had five, maybe it was six, if I'm just tracking by my eye, but it was five or six third downs that were greater than five yards. That's it. Not even, like, third and longs, like eight to ten plus yards, five yards. Only five of them all game that we forced them into because the run game was killing us. And so if you're not in those third and longs, you're not going to see blitzes from Weaver. Um, but he, even on those five ones, he blitzed three out of the, three out of the five times. Um, and, and I liked what I saw. A lot of DB blitzes, they're coming from both sides, too. And, and I was very encouraged by, by Weaver's performance for the most part, except for one big thing, which we'll get to later.
2: Chuck? Yeah, I mean, our defense held them to 5.5 yards per play. That's not bad. They just kept the ball. They were able to. They were just able to consistently run the ball. Um, we couldn't get them into negative plays. Um, I know that advanced stats only has us with four missed tackles. Uh, Zach Cunningham having two of them, uh, Hargreaves having one, and then Justin Reed having the other. That that just feels low, and it's one of the things that I think is misleading about advanced stats is they talk about a missed tackle usually. When they chart a missed tackle, one of the players got at least a hand on them. And I think that it was more – they were taking bad angles that – because they just weren't used to game speed. This is one of those things that even though the missed tackles were so bad that they don't even count as missed tackles because they weren't in position to have a missed tackle. And that goes back to what you said. It was more like a preseason game. They didn't play tackle all, all off season. Um I, I get it. You don't want players to get hurt during the off season. And, I mean, maybe it was the right thing to do because we actually escaped our game with relatively few injuries, especially compared to a lot of teams throughout the league. But we didn't come in prepared to play. And this is why our defense looked so bad, is they were just a step behind. And we couldn't – that just 5.5 after 5.5 of them just running the ball and controlling the clock. No matter how our offense looked, the defense wasn't able to get to get those in back plays to force the ball back to the offense. Like the one player that had a really true impact play, Jacob Martin was criminally underused. Like he's always criminally underused. Um, I just misplaced it on my notes, but I think he only had like 19 snaps. Um, let me double check.
0: Yeah, 18, 18. snaps.
2: 18 out of 69. That's. I mean, Weaver did a good job. He really did. But McKinney at 56, so they weren't going to – of course, they're going to keep him on the field. And then Whitney – how many do Merciless have? Oh, he had 62. Yeah, so yeah. I would think that if you wanted to keep Whit on the field, you rotate McKinney out more. Um, that way you have those exotic formations coming out of the uh, linebackers, uh, more people – or more people going after the quarterback, or, you know, get wet off the field because he just didn't have any juice. Two players had juice PJ Hall and Jacob Martin, and neither one of them got enough snaps. I
0: think, um, you know, I think the Chiefs' defense or offense looked a lot different um, this game than what we've seen in games past. There was definitely a, they definitely relied on, um, their new toy in the backfield, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, and, you know, they they knew. They knew where they were going to go. They knew what they were going to do. They knew they were going to pound the ball. They knew that we weren't going to be able to stop it, and they never abandoned it. They they let Mahomes throw when he needed to, but outside of that, um, they were able to just run the ball down our throat. Um, Whitney Merciless... I really hope that this changes with the all twenty-two, but I just don't see it changing at all. To be honest with you, based on because you get a really good look at the defensive line, Whitney was non-existent. I mean, like literally non-existent. JJ, JJ was non-existent as well. The well, one thing here's, that I, here's
2: what's scary about that: we only had three pressures all game. One was from Jacob Martin. The other two was from JJ. That was it.
0: I thought uh, I thought Jacob
1: Martin had pressures. Do what? Yeah, it depends what site you look at it, which is why I hate stats in general. But yeah. apparently Martin had three pressures. Um, I know JJ made more of an impact in the run game than he did in the passing game, which is not JJ like at all. Um, but I, I I think I said it last week or maybe the week before that. JJ he's gonna start slow. Um, that's that's always how he is. Like like James said, he hasn't put pads on since the playoff game. He's gonna start slow. I wasn't I wasn't shocked at all by that. He'll be back to prime JJ Watt in a couple weeks, probably a month or so. Um, but Merck, Merck was MIA, and, and that's a new hashtag I'm going to start. Hashtag MIA Merck, because I didn't know that he was on the team. I forgot about him. I, I, I completely forgot about him. And and we've seen this since last year. Like Yeah, he had a great four or five-game run in the beginning of the season last year, and the sacks, they look great. The force fumbles, they look great. You look at his box score, you think he's going to be a Hall of Famer that season. You think he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. But you look at the film, and this man, I believe – Four out of his five sacks were against backup tackles or horrible tackles. The one good sack he had was against Toronto, i will not taking that away from him. But most of his production came against backup tackles or when someone had collapsed the pocket so much that the quarterback runs backwards and right into Merck. He's he's not good anymore. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. He's not good anymore. Um, I hope he can improve. I don't want him to be bad. I want him to be great. But he's just not it anymore. Um, if, if Martin, like... The Texans, they've got a tough decision. I mean, they've got an easy decision to be honest. They have an easy decision. They, we we can all see. Everyone with eyes can see who the better edge rusher is. Um, it's it's pretty simple, Martin over merciless. But when you're paying that man fifty four million dollars, when he is your quote unquote locker room leader, he's the team culture guy. He, it, it's very hard to bench that type of guy. You know, he has to he has to be the one to say, Hey, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a step back. You can't go to him and ask him that because the the ripple effect that's going to have throughout the locker room.
2: Well, so, Merciless has help. a role. His role is he's good at cleaning things up. He doesn't create, but he's good at cleaning things up. And that is a skill. That is a valuable skill in the NFL. But we need somebody else that can to make a mess. It's almost like Merciless needs to be paired with a player like Clowney. Um, he needs to be paired with somebody that creates disruption but doesn't ever get a tackle. Or a sack. And that was actually, I mean, that was a good pair. Like when you had Clowney and Merciless and JJ was hurt, that was actually one of the better seasons that our defense had. And Jacob Martin, though, he can create on his own. And he needs to be out there because, I mean, Merciless would just disappear. I and mean, He did just disappear.
1: M.I.A. And he had the easier matchup. He had the easier tackle matchup. Eric Fisher versus Mitchell. Oh, I can't swear, but Schwartz. Yeah. Jacob Martin comes in here on, on one play and embarrasses the best right tackle in the league. Are you kidding me? And Merciless couldn't do anything all game? It's real frustrating with Merck, And part of it is like an athleticism thing that I'm noticing is he doesn't have the bend to get around the edge anymore. You'll watch his... his his um, rushes they're very wide and loopy and he'll get pushed past the pocket he didn't do it so much this game and against mobile quarterbacks because they want him to contain that's kind of why he's just kind of sitting there but that's that's how he's been um, these past this past season and in this game as well so the one thing I will say to kind of end, end the merc thing on a positive note the one thing that can kind of help him and become the player that he is, is is like you've been saying like he needs other plays to help him other players to help him make plays and that's going to come from an interior rush. That's the only thing that's going to save him. Is if if li- if Watt is lined up more on the inside and he can bull rush and collapse pocket. If we see that from Blacklock, from Omenuhu, PJ Hall, maybe that is the one thing that will help Whitney Merciless kind of be valuable in his in his contract. You know what I mean? Except for like apart from the the culture and, and locker room stuff. That's how he's going to make an impact on the field.
0: Well, here's the thing. Uh, well, one, you know, yes, Party Dinosaur is right like J.J. was moved around on the defensive line. I think it's the first time in three or four years where we saw him actively moved around. Um, that was probably the, one of the more refreshing things to see. So, yeah, well once he gets, you know, in, in football shape, he should be good to go. But um, to kind of touch on the whole thing, and we'll end it with this on Merck, but when you brought up veteran locker room guy, can't go to him and tell him to, you know, new contract. Can't go to him and say, hey, we're going to start Chico Martin over you. That's a problem. That's a coaching thing. That, that's not. That's nothing else. That goes back to how I opened the show in the sense of everything being a competition. You don't play the game because you play with your friends who you like a lot. That's not what you play. And there was a tweet today, and I can't quote it properly, but – it basically, it was in response to Rivers' article, and he said, um, he said, you can go for the, the good character guys if your scheme is correct. But if your scheme is not correct, and you, you're, you're not effective at running the scheme that you have set, then it really doesn't matter. And we're at a, in a position where it's both new schemes, so people are, don't understand and they're trying to learn their roles. And then you also just don't have the right guys. Winnie Merciless shouldn't be starting. Why is Brennan Scarlett on the field? Why, why was he on the field at all? I don't care if it was a rundown. He he can't be better than Jacob Martin on, on run plays. I, I really honestly, there's no way in hell I truly believe that Brennan Scarlett is, is a better run defender than Jacob Martin. I don't believe it. I don't. And what if they don't run? Like, I I don't know. I just. The, that, I'm going
2: to give Weaver the benefit of the doubt that because there was no preseason, there was no tape on his guys in this scheme, that he was going with his established vets that had played roles that he was familiar with to get through this game. Towards the end of the game, he was getting more creative with the guys he was throwing out there. Um, as the game progressed, he, he never lost his creativity. He, he started sending other players in. like He, start, he gave P.J. Hall snaps, um, for example. I think then save I'm going to reserve judgment on this until after the Ravens game if he's still sticking with this and I and it's the Bill O'Brien trend of sticking by my guys if he continues with that then I'm going to start to get really concerned but at this point I'm going to give him ai am gonna give him some grace I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because again it just goes back to I don't think the Texans came to this game as prepared as the chiefs I don't think they know their roster as well as the chiefs know their roster and as much as we tried to give Bill O'Brien a credit over the offseason for approaching this season the correct way from a general manager standpoint, it doesn't look like he got his players ready to go, which is ultimately his biggest responsibility.
0: Yep, no, I agree. Go ahead, Jordan.
2: Here,
1: here's what frustrates me the most about this this um, Martin merciless thing is. And this is what kind of shows that it's it's like a locker room thing and, like, the contract that we've been talking about is all camp, the praise has been about Jacob Martin. All freaking camp, he's been the guy. So it's not like they don't know he's talented. It's not like they don't know he's better than Merciless. But then you go ahead and play him 18 snaps? 18? And even Scarlett's out there over him? I saw a play, so one of, um, I think it was Clyde... Clyde Edwards-Elayer's, his touchdown run. Jacob Martin was on the field there. He was setting the edge. He set the edge against Eric Fisher. He stacked the block. He forced Elayer back inside right into an unblocked McKinney, and McKinney couldn't do his job. And then you still see Jacob Martin chasing down Elayer the entire way and dives and tries to strip the ball out at the goal line. He misses, but nobody else on the field was putting in that effort. No one was doing that, and he's an effort guy. And that's what Bill O'Brien likes. Like he is DTS. Jacob Martin is DTS, but somehow, some way, he's still not on the field. That's—I didn't think I could get more pissed off from that night than I could, but I, I just got it.
2: No, you're you're right. It's—I've said it probably three times this one, and during the instant recap, probably about six times. Then PJ Hall, Jacob Martin were the only two players that showed energy. They're the only two players on defense that showed juice, and they need more snaps. Like that's what that. It, it doesn't even matter if somebody else is more talented than they are. If they're going out there with that effort, if they're going out there with that hustle and playing like their hair is literally on fire, defenses feed off that. And the two players that really, really brought it just didn't get enough, just didn't get enough snaps. And I mean that's us, that used to be JJ's role, and that was Clowney's role for a time. And JJ, I mean, he played inside more than he he's probably i i don't actually know the breakdown on this but it felt like he played inside a lot more than he has in ages and he seemed more willing to do what was asked of him but there was something missing from jj there was that energy missing from him there wasn't a game changing play from him the guys that were bringing it weren't on the field with him and i think that they would have all they all three on the field at the same time would have lifted the defense up especially when they needed it when we were getting gashed by the running plays
0: Here's the thing. Here's another thing that bothered me. It probably didn't bother you guys, and this is one of the things that kind of worried me about the exotic. Change things, you know, give them a bunch of different looks. I understand that Justin can cover people. Totally understand. I totally get it. He can play corner. He can play safety. It makes a ton of sense that you're going to give different looks to Patrick Mahomes. But one of those looks doesn't need to be just Justin Reed on the outside as a corner. Justin Reed is going to thrive in the back end. He should not be playing corner. And I get that we were down Gary and Conley, but you can scheme other ways to have Philip Gaines be okay or average. You know, Lonnie Johnson barely got any snaps. There's an opportunity to be able to let Justin be Justin and thrive. And then there's, you know, and then you do what he did and you line him up on the outside. I I wasn't a big fan of it. I know it was effective at times. But I I just didn't like it. Also, the combination of zone to man, it looked like a pretty good mix, uh, to be honest with you, and it didn't look as bad as I expected it to look. I knew we would throw some zones because Mahomes just shredded us when we played all-man last year. Um, But I'm hoping that that's more of just a a matchup against the Chiefs thing and not something we see throughout the season. Because once Garion comes back, you have man corners that, you know, can somewhat sit in the zone, but you really want to playing man. And I really don't want to – I don't want to see Gary Conley play zone. I'll just be honest. He's just not very good at it. Um, and you can mix it up and have some play zone some play man. Like, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, and so I want to see him get creative, but I did not like Justin Reed playing safety. that that Or playing corner. That did bother me. I want to see him on the back end, whether it's dropping back in coverage, playing single high or playing in the box. Either way, I want Justin Reed playing his position naturally. So, so that I'm was my biggest takeaway my, that I didn't like.
2: My biggest question on that, and maybe Jordan can answer this, because I still didn't pick up on it on watching the broadcast recap. So the Texans like to play their safeties as two-shell, and then they roll their safeties depending on what the offense comes out in. Did the Chiefs decide that they're essentially going to pick on Justin Reed? and cause him to roll over into a coverage role instead of a center field role? Or do you think that he was specifically sent out there as coverage?
1: See, this is the part of it is we came out in nickel a lot early. And so our outside corners were um, Vernon Hargraves, and then it would be Justin Reed. And he was on the outside because we had, um, what's his name, Roby following Tyree Hill. And so you're right, it's a schematic thing by the Chiefs is they moved Hill to the slot where he's not always playing, somebody's outside, right? So they moved him to the slot, forces Roby to go into the slot and follow him. And if he's going, if he's going to the slot, that means the Marcus Robinson is going outside. And so Jay Reed's got to follow him. So Reed wasn't playing outside corner as much as he was playing nickel corner. And the Chiefs just were able to abuse that and um, move him to the outside. So yeah, you're, you're exactly right there.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. Well, you know, we're on to Baltimore. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've had this game circled as a loss for an extremely long time. Uh, whenever the schedule was released, I didn't expect us to be able to compete with this team. And I'll tell you what, the only game I really watched in its entirety yesterday was the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. And I can tell you this, Lamar Jackson looks a lot more comfortable in the pocket and he looks like he can throw uh, better than he could last season. The one thing you didn't want Lamar to learn this offseason was how to throw, um, and he was dead on. He threw some balls yesterday where I was like, "Oh, okay, this this guy's now now they're now they're adding another arsenal, you know, another another uh, clip in his in his arsenal because he uh, he looks like a, a completely different quarterback that still has the ability to be able to obviously do um, all sorts of things in the run game, but from a passing perspective, that's the one thing I didn't want him getting better at, and it looks like he did get a lot better at this offseason. Now they were playing the Browns. They were playing the Browns. But I'll tell you this, from a personnel standpoint, I like the Browns defensive players better than I like the Texans defensive players. Oof. I'll take Miles Garrett over JJ Watt. No? Mm. Right right now? In certain
1: areas, I'll take Garrett over J.J. Watt and Merciless. Over oh, the next take... four years. Oh, over the next four years. Yeah, they got more young talent. They got Grady Williams. They got Denzel Ward. They got Grant Delpit, who should be coming back after injury. They had in a nice secondary. Look at that front seven's a little questionable,
0: but same for us.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um. Anyways, yeah. uh, so Baltimore's coming into town. You know, thoughts on, on Lamar learning how to play? He just roasted. The, I mean, Baker looked like Baker, but we're not here to talk about them. We'll talk about them in a week. Um, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on going into Baltimore,
1: Jordan? Yeah, I'm. I'm with you 100. percent I've had this circled as an L. We just, we just don't match up well with the Ravens. Um, not at all. Their defense is always going to be elite, and the things that they do schematically, sending pressure, switching up the looks, um, it just plays right into our kind of what we don't do as well. And also, they're very strong cornerbacks to deal with all of our wide receivers, um, and to kind of Touch on what you are saying about Lamar. He's got the same kind of DNA as Deshaun Watson does. He's a worker. His first year, couldn't pass the ball, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Second year, he got better. Still not great. Still couldn't play without a lead. This year, he looks like he took another jump. And that's really scary because before, you just have to try and take away the run, force him into third and longs, and you're good. Now, it's a different animal. And that offense looks really, really tough to stop. And everything starts with the run defense. If we played the Ravens week 14, 15, whatever later in the season and our run defense has some time to gel and get the shit together, I would be a little bit
0: I think he would be I think he was gonna say that he'd be a little bit more optimistic that the the, the Ravens and Texans would be a good matchup, but coming into this, given the performance against the Chiefs run game, which was new, uh he's not very confident. John, what are your thoughts on the Ravens and kinda you know I mean I think we all had this game as a loss. I I honestly wouldn't be
2: surprised Um, if it's a blowout again. We're all definitely in agreement. Um, We're going to lose. The Browns completely sold the farm trying to stop the Ravens' run game last week, and they actually succeeded. Uh, The Ravens had one of the lowest-graded running games. Um, I think they were one of the only teams with a negative uh, run DNOA, and it didn't matter. Lamar Jackson, it looks like, I mean, granted it was one game, but he looks like he took a step up passing, uh, which is usually very common on quarterbacks in year three. And Lamar Jackson can now run and throw, so dear God, help us all. Um, We couldn't stop the Chiefs' run game. We're sure not going to be able to stop the Ravens' run game. We may be able to stop Lamar from passing the ball, but it really won't matter. Even though, I mean, I'm not even optimistic on that to tell you the truth and here's the thing that ravens defense embarrassed us last year and they've just gotten better i mean yeah i my hopes aren't high we're going to watch the game we're going to take a lot of good notes and we're going to try to enjoy it and this year i'm actually going to keep track of our predictions and i think all three of us we have l's next to it and this is going to be legitimate not just us being optimistic and trying to look forward to the good, we're going to give our real predictions. And right now I think that we are all giving our real predictions with a loss.
0: Yeah, I just can't – I can't see a situation where this team beats the Ravens. I'd like to say that I feel comfortable that that we can compete with the Ravens. And I think like what Jordan was saying before he cut out, you know, week 14, week 15, be a little bit more optimistic because the defense would be gelling – offense would be clicking and be a little bit different than playing them as are basically the way that Bill O'Brien's approaching it preseason game two. Um, I just can't see. I I can't. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we're blown out by the Ravens. I really wouldn't. And they have really good corners, by the way. Like really, really, really like they probably have the best secondary in the league. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, But, We'll I'll have to wait and see. I mean, I'd love to see a win. It would be awesome. It, it'd feel really good. Uh, the Ravens didn't miss a step. Uh, they looked just like they looked last year's so a better passing game. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of what happens and if if the Texans can get to it. Let's get to our uh, let's wrap it up and get to our favorite segment and uh, question and answers from Jordan.
1: All right. Hopefully my Wi-Fi can hold it together. Um, here we are. Okay. First one comes from Louis Orta. He says, if we get rid of Bill O'Brien, who would y'all want to see coming to Houston? I like what I've seen from the Seahawks offensive coordinator. He's taken Russell Wilson to the next level these past few years. Uh, James, who are you thinking about? I know it's early. We don't really want to overreact, but maybe in the future, maybe the end of this year, Bill O'Brien gets the boot. Who who um, Who are your favorite options?
0: Well, not anybody from Seattle. Um, I, I don't like the play calling in Seattle. Um, I think what Russell Wilson has lost more games by single digits than any quarterback in the NFL. And it's because they just let him basically uh, run, 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 and then take over in the fourth quarter. I don't want a coordinator like that. Um, you know, I guess Eric the You know, I know that seems like a hot candidate. You know, I'm really worried about how much power and, and, and influence he has in Kansas City. Uh, I, I don't know if that's, you know, if he's done enough to warrant that. I know that that's what people want because he's the offensive coordinator for the number one offense. But, you know, a lot of what he's doing is, is Andy Reid's doing, and that's a concern for me. I don't want a guy that's going to take that exact offense and try to replicate it here. I want a guy that can do some different things. Um, so if I had to stay, I'd, this is probably a reach or whatever, but I'd probably send two first-round picks to Baltimore and get, get Harbaugh. God 4-4-1, four, 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 four 2 to New Orleans and get Sean Payton, um, yeah, you know, aging.
1: I would be so sad if we just never have a draft pick for the next 10 years, but I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from for sure. I think my number my number one option right now, um, it's between Bienemy and Lincoln Riley, uh, the dude from Oklahoma. The one thing I've been – not too high on Riley, but over every year he's shown more and more and he's the number one thing is he's shown his ability to adapt to his quarterback. He's adapted to Baker May, Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and then the, the new dude this year who who lit it up as well. And, and I think like you said, like that's what you kinda want. You want someone to adapt to the players on your team rather than forcing everyone into your ideal vision. So Lincoln Riley would be probably my number one choice. Moving on from Sat King up W's. He says, what do you want to see differently from Tim Kelly creatively play-calling this game? John, play-calling.
2: Alright, so with play-calling, there's a bit of an art to it. So we always talk about somebody bringing in a scheme or somebody copying the Shanahan scheme or copying copying the Kansas City scheme or whatever. It's not the scheme. It's the play-caller and finding the rhythm. So it's understanding how to set up the running game off the passing game or the passing game off the running game and just having almost like a gift for it. Like any play caller that calls that has that feel, any quarterback that has that feel can elevate a a vanilla scheme. They can elevate a bad scheme. They it's understanding that pace. And I think the one thing that Deshaun really lacks. Is I don't think anybody's come in and taught him that because of the way that the Patriots offense that Bill O'Brien has brought with him is set up. And to me, that was very, very evident on, on Thursday night. This is – I get it that it, they didn't get a lot of practice time together, but this is the most talented offense that we've had around Deshaun. They're absolutely – there's absolutely no excuse – for the lack of use of certain positions, I'm—I've said this at the end of last season, and I—I I tried to be positive because we're stuck with Bill O'Brien, but this is my number one criticism of it, and I still stick with it. Maybe Deshaun needs a coach to tell him what plays to run and let Deshaun run those plays. Like I love that Patriots offense and the right hands, but I don't think it's necessarily the right fit. He needs somebody that says, on a three-step drop, you hit this receiver. If that receiver is not open on a three-step, you change it to a five-step, and then you hit this receiver. I think that's what he needs. And this, him choosing and him having to scan, he just, he does make great things happen. He makes magic happen. But we never really get into a rhythm. We go, lull, and then magic has to happen. And if magic doesn't happen, we lose. Even if our offense performed okay. Because... O.K. isn't going to do it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point is he's not Tom Brady. He's not someone who wants to beat you with a thousand cuts. He's someone who wants to take the top off. He wants to take a shot, play aggressive, and and this offense has got to change because rookie Deshaun, with all the play-action heavy offense that they had, they were taking shots left and right. And I don't know why that just disappeared all of a sudden. It's not like our offensive line has gotten worse. It's not like we have less deep threats than we did back then. We have the most talented offense now, and I'm an advocate here with the play calling. Is I I wasn't too mad at the play calling. I think it's just a lack of execution over the offense. The play calling they did some things that I liked that they grew on. Um, they they poa running back sets like I said before, but um I was I didn't hate it overall. Um they even showed more screens which then they've run, like, all last season in one game, like it seemed like it. Um, But to say, like, what they, what I would like to see more from, um, more play action, more RPOs. They did it occasionally, but not very much. And if they're going to be running that ball, if they're going to be running the ball like the way that they want to, like, why not um, attack, why not attack, why not pass off of it when you're trying to set that up, right? Like, I just don't get why they haven't been doing that. Um, But, yeah, okay, moving on.
2: I just want to put a cherry on this. This isn't the play design, like, Believe it or not, the play design is actually fairly solid. It's the rhythm and the play calling and when to put the defense on their heels. That's what's missing.
1: Agreed. All right. Oh, I just close my questions. Um, While I get back to this, shout out to the Clippers sucking ass and them being the favorites for the title, but now they're down 15. Is that right?
0: It's destiny.
1: destiny suck a suck. To suck. Um, all right, next one from Uber Weiss. He says, how long do you realistically think it'd take for Watson to build his chemistry with Cobb and Cooks, where he's spreading the ball around more? Also, do you see the Texans starting PJ at nose tackle with JJ Nomen who had ends? Okay, so first one, James, how long do you realistically think it'll take for for us to see this chemistry, for us to see the offense, Jill? Uh
0: Next week, week after, I think it'll be Steelers or Vikings. I think we'll start to see – we'll see some of it this week. I don't think we'll see it all. Um, and then I think, you know, week three, week four, I think it will start to ramp up. Um, but, you know, it could take a little bit longer. I mean, it's a weird off season. I mean, you look at the padded practices, I think they were pretty much cut in half. Uh, and not to mention that Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks barely even practiced. So hopefully they're practicing this week. Um, we'll see.
1: Yep. I think – there's no reason to panic right now. If we get to week five, week six, I think week five, we play the Jags. If we get around there and it still looks as bad as it did against the Chiefs, then we've got reason to panic. Um, but his second part of the question, do you see the Texans starting PJ at nose tackle with JJ and Omen who at ends? Um, I'm going to chime in. I'm going to take this one real quick and we'll move on. But Brandon Dunn, he did not do as bad as I thought he did when I was rewatching it. And he got a lot more comfortable and better throughout the game um i think the one thing about pj the one thing about brandon dunn is is he's a nose tackle and people are kind of like confused as to why like brandon dunn is getting snaps now like i don't know i don't know why that's a thing because he was getting snaps all last season he was a starting nose tackle last season it wasn't dj reader and so i don't really think brandon dunn is the problem um so i don't think pj hall will will start i think he'll still continue to be one of a more of a rotational piece all right, next one from at Report Texans. He says, after watching week one, do you doubt this offense? What you originally thought it would be before the opener? Or are you still optimistic about this offense being one of the better offenses in the league? I think it will be still very good, but they just need time. John, overall thoughts on the offense?
2: Um, This goes back to what I was just saying. Uh, they've got to click. Something's got to click. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's a lot to ask about Tim Kelly to find his – his rhythm as a play caller, um, him and Deshaun's communication. I mean, it, it's a lot to ask. There's a lot of talent there. They can. I just want to see one game where the Texans' offense truly goes for the for the jugular, like just really has the defense on their heels and is able to do whatever they want. Because even in our high-scoring games, we've had maybe two that ever that I can say that where everything just kind of where everything kind of clicked and. We need to see that more. We need to see at least from the traditionally great offenses, like you see that from at least at least one quarter per game where they just were able to roll a team. It is a lot to ask to do it for an entire game. But for at least one quarter, they're, an offense can take over and just absolutely leave the defense spinning. And, you know, I, I'm really, I don't know yet because Kelly didn't, his play design again was great, but just finding that rhythm, I don't know. I don't know,
1: yeah, and I think to to talk about that is we saw that there was basically one good drive this entire game, and it was one that ended in the David Johnson touchdown run. that was base, that was the best drive of the game hands down. no one will argue that. And the thing what you're talking about is is seeing that repeti- repeat over an entire quarter and then over an entire game and then over an entire season, right. We we didn't get the chance to see that in the Chiefs game because of how much time they took off the clock with their drive. That next drive was crazy long, and so that gets the offense all out of rhythm. And it just when you don't already have the the rhythm and the chemistry, it's hard to regain that. And so I, like what we've been all saying, it'll come with more time. But next one from Watson for MVP, he says. Also, have you guys changed your minds on your record predictions for the Texans after week one, uh, James?
0: No, not yet. The, the, the schedule is so soft at the, in the latter half. Um, you know, if we I, I said at the beginning if we can come out of this out, after week four and be two and two, which I still think is a, is a possibility. Vikings look like trash yesterday too. Steelers really, their offense doesn't scare me, and their defense um, wasn't what I was expecting, at least uh, based on last night. I mean, Daniel Jones shredded them for the first half. So, um, no, not yet. Not yet. Uh you know, I think week three, week four probably be the best time to to kind of catch up on that, but uh right now I'm still I'm still in the same spot.
1: All right. Next one from uh Daniel Blake Hill. Um he was tweeting me before and he was basically asking about Ezekiel Anza in Houston. Would that be a good addition? Um John, you, you made a, a good face there. What do you think?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need somebody else to that can do anything. I mean, many who did what he was asked, and he did free up the linebackers, the tackle. I mean, but we do need somebody else that can cause pressure. Um, right now, J.J. and Jacob, that's it. That's not good. We need somebody else that can be disruptive, especially in the passing game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, like, the overall sentiment of that. Um, for Onza in particular, I, I don't like him whatsoever. Um, I would be open to more D-line help, really? but then the thing is that, like, that's going to take more snaps away from the GOAT, and if you're not going to take snaps away from Marcellus already, like, I don't know what bringing Ezekiel Onza in is going to do, so.
2: Well, I, I mean, know. he's big enough that he can actually play in. He doesn't have to pee at outside linebacker.
0: He's just never been good.
2: Never yeah, been I've never
0: heard good reviews.
2: I mean, he's healthy. He's flashed, he's he's sure, but. but, I mean, he's never been healthy. I mean, it's a granted, like we have a great track track record on bringing in these guys that have never been healthy, and they all of a sudden get good. But I don't know. I, I still, I think Ziggy Ansah had a lot of potential, and maybe as a rotational player, and he's young enough and he's big enough that he could be fit in. I mean, Snacks Harrison, like he was a good player, but does he really want to play anymore? Um, these are some of the things that are being thrown out in chat. Um, Clay Matthews I think Clay Matthews Has already said He doesn't want to play This season So Of the options You have out there Take the youngest Biggest guy Or you find Another one of these No name guys Off a of, uh, practice squad And hope to get lucky again
0: I like Jabal Sheard And I like Snacks I think Snacks Will come in And make an immediate Impact on the run game And I think I think uh, I Jabal Sheard Is somebody that can play And, and would align Exactly with what Anthony Weaver's trying to do But I don't think They're bringing anybody in
1: I agree too. I think they're gonna stick with their guys, and that's what they've showed. They they want to bank on their internal development. It's game one; they're probably not panicking either. So, all right, next one, another one from Watson for MVP. He says, "Do you think we'll end up playing Ross Blacklock as a starter?" This, he's James.
0: Yeah, I think at some point, I, I do think at some point we'll we'll see Ross. Uh, you know, starter is such like a it's like a weird thing. You know, do I think he'll like play like JJ level snaps? No, um, but I do think that. Uh, I think he'll he'll have some more meaningful snaps for sure, but uh, I think it's gonna take some time.
1: yeah, I think they I think Charles had such a great camp that they want to give him the chance to show what he got. so they're gonna they're gonna ride him for a little while here. Um, next one, Daniel Blake Hill, he says why is done getting meaningful snaps? We already kind of answered that. he He's actually a pretty underrated player in my opinion, and he'll improve as the season goes on, he improved as the game went on. Next one from Ty underscore Zachary. He says, once Lonnie got into the game, how did he do in your opinion? Honestly, I forgot to watch for Lonnie when I rewatched it and you can't really see much from the secondary in the, in the broadcast view. So I'm sure y'all probably have the same thing to say, but we'll, we'll see when the all 22 drops and we'll get a good analysis of Lonnie. All right. Next one from Mars. He says, thoughts on Fulton getting thrown around all game and what are the odds we actually get the Ravens? We we're to talk about that. So, John, Zach Fulton, what do you think?
2: I mean, he was the weakest link, and he was picked on, but every offensive lineman gave up two pressures, so everybody was picked on. The Chiefs did a good a good job of just attacking the front. I mean, yeah, Fulton getting thrown around, that didn't look pretty, but I mean, what, what do you expect? Somebody has to be the weakest link, and he really – it didn't look pretty, but he really didn't do any worse than anybody else.
1: Yeah. What, what Fulton's performance kind of said to me is, is more about the scheme of our O-line rather than the actual talent at right guard, because we've known he's the weak link. He wouldn't even know, even if PFF is going to tell you, he's got high pass blocking grades, whatever, like we, film. he, he's not amazing. He's not someone you that you're, you're running to go replace ASAP, but he's not, he's not at the level of the rest of the guys, right? We know that, but, what the Chiefs did is they knew that. They knew the scouting report. They attacked Fulton. They attacked Titus Howard with two of the best, better defensive linemen in the game in Chris Jones and Frank Clark. They That was their plan. That was their plan, and then we didn't adjust to it. We could have slid the protection there to have Nick Martin always having a double on Chris Jones. We could have had the running backs come out and chip on that side. We never did that for whatever the reason. And we've got to help out our offensive linemen because we can't expect them to be perfect all the game against these pro bowler level um, defensive linemen. They need help, and they need to scheme that better. That's that's what it told me. That was on Bill O'Brien, and that was on Tim Kelly, in my opinion. Um, I believe that is it for the questions. Thank you all.
0: Okay. All right, guys. Well, um, make sure you guys go and follow us on Twitter at HoustonFBPod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. At I am Young e. Gold. You can follow John on Twitter at uh, John A Way three. Don't forget to follow all of the Texans Unfiltered team. At, uh, follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. Follow Patrick at the Patrick Storm and, and Jair at JRL Sports TX. Uh, make sure you guys go to our website. That's where you guys are going to be up to date. Jordan's dropping uh, bombs uh, three times a week, and uh, Jair is doing the same thing two to three times. And you might even be graced with an article or two from me each month. So um, make sure you guys go to the website uh, and and follow us there. Uh, Make sure you guys hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, Make sure you go to Patreon too because that's where you guys are going to get our instant reactions on Sunday nights uh, right after the game or Sundays right after the game to talk about um, our instant reactions, get our emotions and all that stuff. Probably be a fun one to to be a part of this week if there is a meltdown. Uh, And with that being said, fellas, is there anything else? All right. Lakers in five. Lakers in five. (laughs) Oh, God. Why did your Rockets do that to you guys? That's not okay. That's not okay. What happened? There was a lot of confidence that was
1: coming. What happened? There was what? so
0: much confidence. Oh, my God. You guys really thought. Wait, I. what was it? Oh, How are you going to guard guard two former MVPs? You can't, you can't do it. You can't guard former MVPs. It's impossible to do. We did. <laughs> The the by himself. We didn't need to guard him. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. And everywhere podcasts can be found... And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.